Views expressed on this broadcast of Step by Step Towards Emotional Sobriety with Dr. Alan Berger do not necessarily reflect those of Take 12 Radio, KHLT Recovery Broadcasting, or our affiliates. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. And now, here's your host, Dr. Alan Berger, and... The Monty Man. Well, welcome aboard the Good Ship Recovery once again, ladies and gentlemen, and all you scallywags and scallywaggles out there. It's good to have you with us here at Step by Step Towards Emotional Sobriety uh, with myself and, of course, Hazelden's liaison to the world, the Betty Ford's connection to emotional sobriety, the hotel and travel industry's number one investor, the elusive Dr. Alan Berger. <laughs> Easy money. My goodness, you are a busy man. You, yes, you, I am a busy. You, you, you really are. So every show you have a different intro for me. Well, yeah, we're gonna do the. Some we're gonna do shows. What you're gonna say today? Yeah, uh, yes, it's it's always a surprise. <laughs> but um, what's really cool is you're not so elusive that we uh, can't have you on this show, and it's always a, a great honor to have you here. Uh, and uh, you you are on the road again, true? Yes, I am on the road. I'm out at the uh, Betty Ford Center, uh, Hazelton's Betty Ford Center, and uh, working with the staff out here and helping them sharpen their clinical skills. And i got to say, Monty, we had a great day of training today, and I was very, very touched by what I saw. The staff uh, is really taking to the uh, things I've been teaching them, and it's showing up in their clinical work and the discussions that are taking place. So I'm very, very pleased, and, you know, my heart is is filled because it means that uh, the people coming into treatment are even going to get better help than they've been getting. And not that they haven't been getting great help, but, sure. but what I say to people all the time is you don't have to be sick to get better. Yeah, that boy, that's 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 really good, isn't that? Isn't that the truth? Well, real, that's a really good deal, really good stuff, and, and uh, we just congratulate you on and and thank you for all the work that you do. Now, um, on this show, you have a guest with you, true? Well, I have a dear friend of mine and a fellow uh, journeyman through the through the recovery process. Jamie and I know each other now for probably, God, it's probably going on 20 years. Wow. A couple decades, and uh, we're good friends, and he's uh, he's really taking to his work in the field. He uh, does interventions. He uh, does some sober companion work for me at times, and he's just uh, an all-around great guy with a fantastic tennis game. So, ah. um, <laughs> uh, Damien, welcome to the show tonight. Well, thank you very much. I, uh, I'm so Kind of pondering Monty's uh, <laughs> intro. I've known you for twenty years. I didn't know that you were that accomplished in all those areas. Yeah, I didn't know it either. <laughs> I find out something new about myself every time I do this show. <laughs> well, you know, one of my character defects is I stretch the truth. Some <laughs> point, you know, I I grew up in a house where my my father said, "Never let the truth uh, get in the way of a good story." <laughs> Did he like to fish? 
And I'll tell you, his dad could tell a great story. Yeah. I got to spend some time with his dad, a great man. Well, Damien Schiller is is our, is our guest uh, during this show, Step by Step. And uh, thank you uh, for joining us, uh, Damien. Uh, you, you do intervention work. Uh, you do sober companion work. Uh, is, is another term for sober companion uh, sober coach? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you, you guys have known each other for a very long time, so uh, it, it's great. It's great to have you on. So uh, we're looking at uh, uh, on this show developing a healthy perspective towards yourself, your feelings, and your emotional patterns. So launch us forth, Doctor Berger. Well, as as our listeners have uh, have been aware of, is we're kind of going through twelve smart things to do when the booze and drugs are gone. And I've been uh, taking each of the smart things, uh, respectively, and we've been talking about them in our shows in the last uh, about seven or eight shows. In fact, today is smart thing number seven from the book, and it's about developing that healthy perspective towards yourself, your feelings, and your emotional patterns. And why don't we start by breaking that down a little bit. Let's talk about what does a healthy perspective towards yourself mean? And I think a way to start to discuss that, Monty, is to talk about what has happened in our development or what happened in our development early on when instead of actualizing who we are, our true self, we made a decision to try to actualize a concept. And this concept was based on this idealized image of who we thought we should be. Mm-hmm. So when we, when we abandon ourselves, and that's really what we did, we abandon ourselves for this concept, now all of our energies, right, went into realizing this concept, this false self. And we can never have a healthy perspective towards ourselves if what we're trying to do is to actualize a concept. Because what that does is it creates a very black-and-white world, Monty, a very absolute world. We're either okay or we're not okay. We're either perfect or we're not perfect. We're either, you know, um, on the right path or we're off the path. And there's no gray in that world. And that's what that, that does to us. It's just it's so hard to force ourselves into that mold because... Human beings are messy. We don't fit right. that. Right. You know, we're not going to be perfect. In fact, you know, I love what, uh, you know, Ernest Kurtz says. He says that we are perfectly imperfect. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. So, so in terms of developing a healthier perspective towards ourselves, we have to challenge who we're trying to be, what we're trying to become. And if we're not committed to becoming our true self, and if we're not committed to authenticity and becoming real, then we're in big trouble, and we're never going to develop a healthy perspective towards ourselves. Is this, is this, is this the, um, the perfectionist big dilemma? Yeah, it, it's definitely, it's the curse of perfectionism. Yeah. It, it really is a curse. In our, in our society, we talk about it as an ideal. That if you're perfect, right, you got to throw the perfect game if you're a pitcher, right? Right. You know, you want to do, you want to somehow achieve perfection. But it's really a curse. It's not an ideal in any way in terms of human development 
because we're just never going to achieve it. And a lot of people, you know, myself included, have, have really put myself through hell on trying to live up to those unrealistic and unreasonable expectations. Yeah, and, and we're, we're taught not to have unreasonable expectations, but then we turn around and it's the very thing we do to ourselves all, all the time. Let me ask you something. Um, it doesn't help either when you start to, and I'm, say, I'm saying this out of my own experience, when you start to let go of um, the, the worry and the unnecessary concern over things you can't change, um, you start to release some of that perfection attitude and you start to relax and start enjoying life and then somebody comes across or comes and says to you somebody close to you many times they are getting the impression that you just don't care and what it's not that you don't care you're actually beginning to get it well that's very interesting see because if other people haven't learned how to do this to themselves right, right. for themselves if they haven't learned to enjoy themselves as they are instead of trying to live up to being perfect, then they're going to, of course, put that expectation back on us. Yeah, you bet. That's the thing that happens a lot, right, is that, mm -hmm. you know, we treat other people like we treat ourselves. So if I'm putting all that pressure on myself, I'm going to put it on you. And you're right. What happens when you're in a relationship and you start to change some of this stuff? And all of a sudden you're not doing that. Well, your partner or your friends are going to expect you to be the other guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, they're going to look at you like something's wrong with you. <laughs> See, that's the, that's the whole weird thing about this is that is that we are all doing this. So this this is it's it's almost like there's this conspiracy right amongst us all that we've totally colluded, and we're all saying that hey, don't be your true self, be your real self, because that's what you're supposed to do. And wow, what 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 a problem that becomes for those of us that are trying to stay clean and sober and trying to find some freedom from all of the insanity that goes on inside our heads. Yeah. You know, like I said, you know, my, my friend Damien's been on this journey for a while and he might even be able to share a little bit about his experience. What has that been like for you, Damien? Uh, it's been a long road. I, you know, I like how, how Monty picked up on the perfectionism, and I think it goes one of two ways, or it has for me. I'm so attached to the outcome that I'm going to trample over people, places, and things to achieve that outcome, or I will stall out and not do anything. And those are my two options. There is no, no gray in it. I'm either going to, you know, just blow the door off, or I'm not going to try it at all. And I think that that then puts me in kind of a, a a place where I'm not willing to just flow with what's happening. Yeah. yeah that's, that's very well said. And, you, you know, one of the, the things I'm talking about and to the counselors out here at the Betty Ford Center has been that mental health is a result of the coordination of all that you are. Right, that you have to take all the different parts of yourself, money, and somehow getting them work together. Well, when you got such a circus inside you like I do, it's just hard <laughs> to get all the clowns going in the same direction. It starts to be like herding cats or something, right? It be so crazy. But yeah. that's what we're striving for, is to find some way of embracing ourselves as we are. But you see, if I've got a set of rules about how I'm supposed to be, then when a part shows up that doesn't fit with that concept, 
I got to throw it away. And then how can I coordinate myself if I'm disowning this part of myself? You know, let's say I've got this idea that I've just got to be a nice guy all the time. Well, what if I need to be firm? What if I need to, to stand and stand in a pretty tough way in a situation to take better care of myself? Well, that's not going to happen if that concept I have of myself says, you just have to be a nice guy to be okay. Wow. Wow. Because you know, you know what I've found is that uh, in, in attempting to fulfill those unreasonable expectations of myself and then I don't do it, I start uh, practicing the guilt thing. And I'm learning that, you know, th this whole guilt thing can, is really a very selfish emotion. Yeah. It's very much so. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you bet. This, this, that's right. And there's a certain pain in it, right? Yeah. And there's a certain way of beating yourself up because you're not being who you think you should be. Right, right. And and how liberating it, let, it, let it me, is to find out that you that. don't have to be. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But let me just share. I want to just read a part out of uh, the 12 Smart Things so people kind of get a sense of what is the difference between this this false self and our true self, or, or the difference between the false self and being in recovery. Because I am convinced that if you are still honoring your false self, that you cannot be fully in recovery. So here, here it is. Let me give you a list. So the false self is focused on having, right? We, feel, we think that I am more the more I have, while recovery is concerned with being. The false self wants to control everything. Like Damien says, I want to control everything to make sure the outcome is what I want it to be. Well, recovery is about letting go of control and just trusting the process and learning to deal with whatever is going to happen, as, as Damien said, to be able to flow with our experience. The false self wants perfection. Recovery is about progress. The false self rejects our true self and alienates us from it. Recovery is focused on renewing our relationship with our lost true self. So what a shift, huh? Yeah. In terms of what's happening in our recovery and in terms of what we're doing. And we can all feel it, you know. when we, You know, you and I have had this discussion before. You've put it in this context. How do you know when you're doing God's will? And the way I would say this one, well, how do you know when you're, you know, honoring your true self. How do you know when you're being the self that you truly are? Mm -hmm. Well, just look at your life. If you're flowing, if it's if you're, you know, just seem to be in sync with what's going on, then you're flowing with then your true self. You're being the self that you truly are. When you're having conflict and your desires are conflicting and colliding with other people, then the other self. You know, the other part of yourself, that false self is in charge. Now, you're not suggesting, though, and I, I, I want to make sure that the listeners understand this. Uh, I don't, I don't blame, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you're suggesting that this necessarily means that everything is comfortable around you. It's how you respond to that, right? I mean, it, it's, exactly. can you have serenity? We're talking about, right on. See, so that's what yeah. we're talking about in terms of emotional sobriety is that regardless of what's happening, that you're keeping your center of emotional... Right. That you're able to... You may get knocked off balance temporarily. We all do. Mm -hmm. Cover your balance pretty quick. You know, you've got that resilience. Yeah. You don't have to pick up a drink or you don't have to use to feel good. You're able to find a way to use your program, to use some of these ideas 
to even relate to yourself differently. So if you make a mistake, you don't sit there beating yourself up forever about it. You say, hey, I made a mistake, but I'm not a mistake. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah, The yeah. false self says you're a mistake. You didn't just make a mistake. You're a mistake. And your, your true self says that oh. you're not, but your false self rejects your true self. Well, and I think also my false self tells me that I need to be more than what the situation is asking for. I either need to come in over the top because I'm feeling insecure and everyone or everything seems to have it figured out or more than what the situation is asking for. You know, the line that Dr. Berger mentioned about being, that's that's the road that I think I, I start to realize my true self, that the being is more important than just doing. Mm. Yeah, because we do a lot. We we do all day long and just spin our wheels. You know, I could be about the business of doing all sorts of wonderful things and be an absolute wreck at the end of the day um, because I, I'm never measuring up. It's never quite good enough. Or if it is, it has to be better than that. Um, yeah, and see, and that's... You know that you know you know that we got that phrase in, in in recovery circle. Easy does it, right? How many people really believe that, though? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because easy does it is really a way of trying to say to the false self, "Get off my back." Yeah, <laughs> just leave me alone for a while. Give me a chance here to grow. Right. See that that's what we're trying to do. Is the easy does it is to that part of ourselves that's relentless, that's a taskmaster. That's the top dog, and that part is directly related to the false self, you know, that tries to help us be the self that we think we need to be to be okay. And it's, it is relentless. Yeah. And it's brutal at times. Yeah. Another saying that I really like is, I need to wear life like a loose garment. And I can really get a nice visual on that because... I used the word flowing earlier, and I think that that's very representative of me being mindful of, of of the good things in my life and the blessings and just being a part of a bigger thing versus to be very small-minded and, and where's mine and who's trying to get it. And that seems very kind of tight and, and constricting. Yeah, I, I like that. I'm, I'm imagining I, – I remember when I was in high school, I loved wearing – my dad's old baggy army jacket drove my parents crazy. Um, but it was so comfortable. It was so big, you know, it, 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 so I kind of, that's, that's kind of the picture I have, have in my mind. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. So now let's, let's shift this if you want, or do you want to take a little break here? Cause I want to talk about how do we develop a healthier perspective towards our feelings? Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and take our break. And when we come back, we will tackle that. So, folks, don't go away. More with Dr. Allen Berger and Damian Schiller when we return. I had this illness that really made me powerless over alcohol and that insisted that I got drunk. And so I got drunk. It doesn't have anything to do with trying to control it. An alcoholic who picks up the first drink will pick up the second drink. I can't say to anyone, no, 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 don't drink. But I can say that when you decide you don't want to drink, come to AA. The door to AA is always open. Alcoholics Anonymous. It works. Look us up. Check your phone book, newspaper, or AA.org. Hey, check it out. 
you can now access all of our shows from a variety of podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, Podomatic, and Player FM. Simply search for Take 12 Recovery Radio, and you'll be tuned into the best in recovery broadcast journalism. Also available at Take12Radio.com. All right, and uh, welcome back. And uh, on the phone with me, of course, is Dr. Ellen Berger. And uh, our special guest uh, for this show, Damien Schiller, is with us, an interventionist, sober companion, uh, 27 years of, of sobriety, and, and, and I hope 27 years of sanity, right, Damien? Uh, you know, I would like to tell you that that's uh, a given, but it, uh, <laughs> I guess the sanity is, is to be able to recognize the behavior. There you go. There, there you and go. on the court, sometimes he's a bit insane. <laughs> I, I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm a tennis player, but he gets a little crazy out there sometimes. All right. Well, folks, our email address here is take12radio at comcast.net. And if you'd like to email Dr. Berger, his email address is abphd at msn.com, and his website is abphd.com. Uh, you can follow the links right here at take12radio.com. All right. Uh, so we are moving into another part of this, and uh, what did you call it, Dr. Berger, before the break? Well, in terms of developing this healthier perspective towards ourselves, I mean, it's part and parcel about having a healthier perspective towards our emotions and how do we deal with our feelings. And the big mistake that a lot of us make is that we give our feelings too much privilege in our lives. Now, what do I mean by saying that we give it too much privilege? Or another way to say it is we give them too much authority. Well, let's say I'm afraid of something. I'm afraid of doing something. Let's say there's this cute girl, you know, and I would like to ask her out. And my fear says to me, uh-oh, you know how much risk you're taking if you ask her out? She could say, you got to be kidding me. I would never go out with you, you shiny-headed, bald, fat <laughs> boy. Right? Yeah. And so I'm going to sit back and honor that fear and just fantasize how great it would have been to ask her out and to go out with her, but not dare take the risk because I'm afraid she's going to reject me, and then I'm not going to be able to support myself. So when I give my fear that much power, when I give it that much authority, when I give it that much privilege, it just starts to grow, Monty. Mm-hmm. So now, before you know it, fear is running my life completely. And how many of us that take a rigorous fourth step realize how much we've let fear run our lives and influence our decision and influence our behavior? I mean, it's, a, it's quite an awakening to realize how you haven't been in charge of your life. Your fear has been running it. Yeah, And that's an incredible wake-up call, man. I've got to tell you, I saw that when I did my fourth step, and I started to see that my life was being lived by these forces that I wasn't even conscious of because I didn't want to see what a scaredy cat I was. I didn't want to see how frightful or how fearful I was in, in my behavior and also how frightful I could be. I guess that's the other side of it, too. So what has to happen in recovery is we need to take another look in terms of the kind of relationship we have to our feelings. So this is a big shift in the way that we think about. Now, the healthy perspective is to respect your feelings, 
but don't give them privilege. I'm afraid. Okay, what am I afraid of? Okay, so what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, can I live with the worst thing? Let's say she says no, and then I'm going to be upset with myself for a while. Can I deal with being upset with myself? Well, of course I could. Yeah. So I've got to find a way to start supporting myself better, and that is not to give feelings that kind of power. Do you think, Dr. Brew, do you think that people sometimes go really far the other way and don't respect them and disrespect their feelings by not even acknowledging them? Well, that's the same problem, though, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Oh, and the other way. See, you can fall out of one side of the bed and say, I'm going to give all these feelings so much power, but another response to them, and it's the same thing, it's just the other side of the corn, I'm not even going to respect any of the feelings I have, and I'm going to be just, you know, um, fearless, and I'm going to be impulsive, and I'm going to ignore any kind of feeling. One of the and things, i got to say this, one of the things, that, and, 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 and if, I'm, if I'm off base here, tell me, because I certainly am learning all the time, but one of the things that is always just, it's just like nails on a chalkboard, is when I hear well-meaning people tell a newcomer in recovery, well, your feelings aren't right or wrong, they're just your feelings, just ignore it. And, and I'm like, wait a minute, we have feelings for a reason. You know, our creator endowed us with this. It's just that we've thwarted the way we look at them, the way we respect or disrespect them. But they're very real and they're, they're not meant to be just ignored, true? That's right on. So I'm not saying discount them. Right. Respect is not discounting or dismissing our feelings. It's respecting them. It's acknowledging that they're there in dealing with them instead of giving them the power. Yeah. See, that's the shift that we're talking about. Yeah, see, so people... How, they're, they're, how have you seen that in recovery, Damien? What, yeah. Uh, what are some of your thoughts about that? You know, I think the fear that, that I'm concerned about, or, or I guess the feelings, is, is in wallowing in them. Because then, consciously or unconsciously, I give myself almost an out not to work through whatever the next indicated step is to be. If I can just hang with I feel bad or lonely or I'm angry or resentful, then I don't think I start to really work through what is going on with me. My fear always is not in the moment, but what's going to happen five minutes from now or a day. So it's all kind of future tripping or projecting that somehow this situation or event is not going to go my way. And so what I'm trying to learn to do is be more mindful in the moment because when I'm always in the moment, things are okay. So let me ask you, Damien, let me, let me ask you this question. Um, do you find it or have you in the past found it difficult to differ, differentiate between being concerned being cautious, or being worried? The distinction for me is, is being concerned. I'm still taking action. I'm either reaching out and sharing with somebody, hey, this is what's going on, or I'm trying to better understand what I'm dealing with. Uh, the other part is, I think, almost immobilizing, where I just stay with the feeling that's kind of holding me back uh, the worry part of it. I, the, there's nothing 
in my experience, nothing positive has ever come out of out of worrying about something. Right. Right. So it depends on where are your feet moving. If they're not moving and you're just wallowing in it, what what, what good is that? Right. Yeah. And, and I can a- absolutely make the distinction between the two because I think in the wallowing I'm very uh, energy energy less, and in the you know trying to move through it, I, I feel that I have some some energy and and some hope and some faith. I think in the wallowing. I get very kind of, oh my goodness, you know, there's which way do I go? There's nowhere to go. Dr. Berger, what are emotional patterns? Well, so emotional patterns show up in terms of each of us, if we stop and look at it, tend to deal with things in a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. We either, we either, we take one of three paths, and it's not that we can't do all three of these things, but Typically, we're going to take one path or the other. Um, We either, in a situation when we are feeling stressed or when we're um, challenged in some way, we're feeling tension, we're going to try to take control of the situation. Uh, We're going to maybe scapegoat somebody, blame somebody else. But we're going to move against people, right, as a way of handling what's going on. Right. So that's one pattern. The other pattern which is just as prevalent, is to move towards people. We now want to people please. We want to make everything okay. So instead of, you know, adding to the tension, now we want to, to take the tension away. We want to be the peacekeeper, the peacemaker, those kinds of things. Or we tend to run. And that's the third pattern is that we distance ourselves. We, we stonewall a person. We emotionally withdraw we, we, you know, actually leave the relationship and cut it off. So we can deal with things in one of these three ways. And typically your patterns, your emotional pattern, is going to follow one of these three paths. I usually take the first path. If there's a problem, I'm going to take control. I'll blame you for it. You know, I will do things like that. That's I've learned how to move against people, right? That's the way that I deal with it. I call it the New York attitude. <laughs> New York, that's what she. That's how she dealt with her feelings, and I picked up that same kind of an attitude at home. Um, hey, Doctor Berger, I think I'm neurotic because I'll tell you what. I think I go through all three of these really quickly. I try to control you. If you don't do it the way I think you should, I will blame you for that. I will move against you. And then I'll apologize. I'll people please. Oh, you know, I probably shouldn't have been so tough. What, what do you mean you don't accept my apology? Well, I'm out of here. <laughs> I thought I was the only one that did that. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's right. Because all three of those things are something we all do. I can do the people pleasing too. Yeah. But it's very interesting. When you do number one, you move against people and you become a people pleaser, you hate yourself for being a people pleaser. Yeah. See, when you're a people pleaser and you move against people, you hate yourself for moving against them. Yep. This is a really... You, you know, you're, you're, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. It's that kind of a thing, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah Dr. Dr. Berger and, and, and Damien, let me ask both of you guys. This This can be a real challenge for people who are in the business of being treatment providers, counselors, sponsors. You got it. Uh, my gosh. 
That's right. That's right, Monty. We all do it, and if we don't become aware of what we're doing, then we're never going to be able to change it. We're never going to be able to develop some other options. So, you know, everybody asks me, well, what's healthy, right? If those are three things are are not a healthy adaptation, yeah. then what would a healthy adaptation look like? And what it looks like is just staying connected, not polarizing with somebody, not pleasing them, not going against them, not running away from them, but just adding more of yourself to the situation and encouraging the other person to do the same thing. Your true self. When you do, when you do that, especially when there's tension, you grow. That's when growth takes place inside of you. Is That's when you start to differentiate yourself. That's when you develop even more and more of this ability to maintain your emotional sobriety. Very good, very good. And, and, and folks, I want to tell the listeners, uh, you just said a word there that some people are going, what? Uh, different, differentiate. I can never say that right. Um, but we did a show specifically on that. If you go back to the archives, uh, it, it's, a, it's a real important um, term to, to understand. Can you give us a real brief summary of what that well, means? That, that differentiation, the more differentiated I am, the more I keep my autonomy in relationships, Monty. See, that's the key here. The less differentiated I am, the more I'm going to feel fused with you, the more I'm going to lose myself in the relationship, the more I'm going to take what you do personally. Yeah. The more differentiated I am, the more I just see you as who you are and I'm who I am, and that there's I'm able to appreciate you as different than uh, who I am, and I'm able to appreciate myself. So it's kind of that, you know, I'm okay, you're okay position more. But when we're undifferentiated, it's very hard to achieve that. Yeah. Wow. And listen, all of us are struggling with that in recovery. Yeah, you bet. Like I've mentioned before in the show, a great way of looking at the steps. And, and Bill really got this. I mean, because the 12 and 12 was written 17 years after the big book. So there were 17 years of Bill trying to learn on how do these steps help me keep my emotional sobriety. That's one way of reading the 12 and 12, is to go back in there and say, what is the 12 and 12 teaching us about what is a healthy relationship to ourselves, what's a healthy relationship to our emotions, and what's a healthy relationship to others? And I believe that, you, there's, that the steps are giving us guidance in all three of those areas and helping us develop a healthier relationship with ourselves, with others, and with our emotions. Yeah, yeah, you, you you bet you bet they are, and, and what's sad is to watch people go through the step process the first time, the first formal working, if you will, and then just repeat the same um, uh, pattern of doing them over and over and over and over again, never growing because step ten, eleven, twelve talks about growing. Not maintenance. It talks about continuing to grow. And, and the things that you talk about on this show uh, are prime examples of continuing on in our growth process and just not repeating the same good stuff over and over again and not getting any, any – uh, not improving on what's already good. Well, not to put you on the spot, but you know, one of the things I was telling Damien when we had a little break is to say – you know, you have taken so many of these ideas to heart yeah. and applied them in your life. And, you know, you shared with me how, 
it's helped you deal with situations in a much better way, and you feel so much better about yourself. Absolutely, like night and day. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing, and it's and I don't think it's coincidental, Monty, that you're also now you know I don't know how many of your listeners know this, but you're taking better care of yourself. Yeah, you know you're losing weight. Right, being fantastic, man, and it's all showing that in that shift in terms of how you're dealing with things, you're experiencing some of the rewards. Yeah, you bet, you bet, and some of this stuff, I, I look at this and I, and I think. When did I start doing that differently and doing this differently? And some of this stuff just kind of falls into place once you recognize who your false self is and who your true self is and how the creator wanted you to enjoy life. Once you get that. Well, I've seen that in you. You know, my dear friend Damien, I've seen it in him in terms of your growth. Wow. This subtle shift is, you know, that you mentioned, Monty, and I've realized it as well as, when I come up to that place where I realize this isn't working for me anymore, and I might not consciously say that, but I just feel that better to go this path than that path. Right. So Dr. Berger always reminds me, when in doubt, be honest. And that was a very foreign term uh, <laughs> before I wrapped my mind around it because, you know, at, at, at the base of, of, of my issues, I think lack of power and control is always at the forefront. And the more that I try to assert myself into having it go my way, I end up embellishing and, and becoming dishonest, not so much cash register dishonest, but, you know, I'm going to try to manipulate the situation to derive the outcome that I want. And I just don't want to be that guy anymore, partly because as I change, I don't really know what the outcome should be. And so... Why am I going to push so hard for this outcome? Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, you know, our uh, uh, our my wife and I, our family's uh, pastor, said something the other day that just made so. Much, I, I love it when when things come together. You know, the recovery thing, the twelve step thing, the the spiritual thing, and you're listening to all of it. Uh, you know, he said something. I've known this for years, but sometimes the light goes on. Right? He says. He says. You know, if you've truly turned your will and your life over to the care of a power greater than yourself, at that point, the outcome is his responsibility, not yours. And I thought, wow. It was, and what a relief that, that I'm not truly responsible for, for that outcome. I'm I know. Responsible for the footwork and right. to turn the results over. Yep, yep. And the only reason I go sideways is because I either take it back or I have a thwarted idea of what's good and what's bad. Yeah, I mean, God forbid I, I put something into to work and, it, and it's really happening. I, I now seem to think I'm going to take all the credit for this <laughs> and I'm going to be able to drive this outcome every time I put my- Yeah, yeah, wasn't I such a good boy? <laughs> Oh boy, this this is uh this is a good show, Doctor Berger. I'm so glad, Damien, that you that that you're with us uh, for this. What what what's some tremendous tremendous insight? Good stuff. Yeah, great stuff. And uh, and if you ever get a chance to see him on the court, you'll even see his uh, nah. how well he can rip that two hander backhand he's got. Well, you know, you never know. I mean, after two hip surgeries and knee problems and all that, even though that's happened, it's it's been an amazing thing. Um, and I don't know if it, it, Damien, well, yeah, you knew I, I had a wheelchair when I was at, um, the Weston and 
I was either in the wheelchair or I was walking with a cane. You know, I'm looking forward to the day when I'm out there on the tennis court, too. Well, so, you're, you're out of the wheelchair now, aren't you? Yep, I'm out of the wheelchair. You bet. And and are you are you still using the cane, or is that stopped? Uh, I haven't used it at all. I, I, I still can't walk long distances, and long for me is from one end to, of the store to the other. Um, but the distances that I can walk, even though they may hurt, I'm able to press through that now, where I couldn't but, before. But look at that. I mean, That's awesome. how yeah. fantastic is that? Oh, I know. It's It's just, it's like... Wow, I just it blows my mind. You know, we take so many things for granted, don't we? I'm like the ability to get in and out of your car without using a cane or some sort of assisted device. And bless the heart of folks who need to do that. But, you know, I was coming very close to settling. I don't have to settle. I'm not at that place yet. Yeah, right on there. Right on. Yeah. That touches me, man. I'm so happy for you. Well, thank you, brother. Well, you, you've been a big part of that. You, you, you've really helped uh, quite a bit. If you want to learn more about this, then please um, get a hold of my book, 12 Smart Things to Do When the Booze and Drugs Are Gone, and my follow-up book, The 12 Hidden Rewards of Making Amends. That'll go a lot more into this false self, true self issue and, and to help you see how the steps are helping us really recover our lost true self. So. So uh, please do that. And, you know, I've got to say, and I think it's partly because of this show, Monty, my book, 12 Smart Things, is now starting to, you know, be higher on the Amazon bestseller list than even 12 Stupid Things. 12 Stupid Things wow. had, had this incredible run. It's been in the top, you know, 20 since almost since it's been out. gets as high as two or three on, the, on several of the bestseller lists. Well, guess what? I looked on the, the Amazon bestseller list the other day, and 12 smart things was like eight or so on the list, and 12 stupid things was like 13 or so. So Imagine that. I'm really reading it, and I'm very excited about it. Um, you know, I'm really glad that uh, I've been able to bring something, you know, to the recovery community that can help them on their journey. You bet. Well, that's wonderful. That's, that's absolutely marvelous. Congratulations for that. And, folks, you can you can order those books on Amazon. You can go to uh, Alan Berger's website. Um, if you get confused, you can call me. Uh, you can email me. We'll make sure we get that in your hand. And don't be afraid of it. Th- these aren't huge books big enough to choke a mule. These are easy reads, and they're fun, too. They really are. All right. Damien Schiller, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Bonnie. I appreciate the opportunity to come on. I hope to do it again with you guys sometime. All right. So, uh, folks, once again, uh, Dr. Berger's website is abphd. Just think of Alan Berger, phd. Uh, dot com. His email is abphd at msn.com. Uh, you can reach him through uh, our website as well. Remember, on your smartphone, we've designed the website to fit nicely on most smart devices, whether it's an Android or whether it's an iPhone or, or a pad. Um, you, you really, there's, there's really no problem with, with that at all. Uh, and, and if you ever have a problem getting a show or listening and you want some coaching with that, uh, feel free to call me. Feel free to email me. I, I'll, I'll talk to you and we'll walk you through it because we don't want you to miss a minute of this great healthy stuff that really yeah, our creator has put there for us so we can enjoy and experience the life he created you and I to experience. So until our next broadcast, special thanks to Damien Schiller and, of course, Dr. Alan Berger. 
This is the Monty Man along with the guys from Southern California. And we're wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.